This is the Andy Social Podcast. My name is Andy Dowling, and here we are again, folks, another week of podcasting, another opportunity for me to give you guys the gift of a brand new, exciting, fantastic podcast episode, if I do say so myself. Yes, I'm very very generous and, and humble and modest and all those great qualities. And I'm sure that you guys have been impatiently waiting to to hear my voice again, traveling through the through the device that you're listening to and penetrating the holes in your ears and getting right in there and caressing and massaging your eardrums. And, um, and maybe I should just leave it at that because that was a far better idea in my head until I started verbalizing it. It was like watching a car crash happen right before my eyes. So... Don't do that again, Andy. Bad Andy. Bad Andy. <laughs> Far out. Uh, moving along, speaking of voices, actually, this is a really good segue. You'll like this one. Uh, have you ever thought about making money from your voice? Now, if you just listen to that, you'll know that I haven't quite got there yet myself. However, this week's guest does a very, very good job of doing so. This week, I have Neil Wilcock on the podcast. Now, Neil is best known by his nickname, Wilco. And Wilco is the brand new co-host on Canberra's Mix 106.3 FM's breakfast show. I think I got that all right. I was spitting that out a couple of times previously. And uh, Wilco's only been in the job for a couple of weeks. So I was recently in Canberra and stopped by the uh, radio station. And we had a bit of a chinwag for an hour or so. And we spoke about how he's adjusting to Canberra life, how the new job's going, um, some of his observations uh, in the few weeks that he's been there so far. But we also go back in time and get an understanding of some of his earlier beginnings and how he got into radio. And I tell you what, it's pretty fascinating to be uh, getting started in radio when he was 14 and his first proper job going out to Alice Springs on his own at 17 years of age and uh, and running the radio station out there, which was, I think, Sun FM, and then progressing from there, working for Triple M in Adelaide, CFM on the Central Coast, I believe, and then there was Star FM and... Uh, and all these other radio stations that he's worked for. I probably just named them all there anyway. But on top of that, he's also very well known for his voice work. So uh, Wilco does voice work for the Disney Channel. He's done stuff for Foxtel in the past, but he's probably best known for being the network voice of Channel 10. So if you think about some of those major shows that have been on over the years, this is for people in Australia. If you're listening from overseas, you'll have no freaking idea what I'm on about. But he's done a lot of the voice work for The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, MasterChef, Offspring, Survivor Australia, and there's a whole bunch of other things as well. So you'll recognize Wilco's voice um, if you haven't heard him on radio before, but if you've been watching TV, you'll no doubt uh, recognize the voice. Anyway, clearly I'm not in the industry of doing voice work. So... Enough of this. Let's dive into it. This is a great chat with Wilco. I'm going to put all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes over at andysocial.net, including contact info for Wilco as well if you want to reach out and say hi. And uh, just enjoy this episode. So here we are, me and Wilco chatting in Canberra. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Andy Social Podcast. I'm Andy. And for anyone new to the show, uh, welcome. So glad to have you. Is that what you normally say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, mate. How you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me in your fantastic little studio, which yeah. will be, as you said, soon upgrading. Yeah. Relocating. In our, in our, uh, 
in our spare studio here at Mix 106.3 in Canberra. Yeah, there is a lot of upgrades going on, um, which is good. It's not bad. It's all right as it is. But uh, when you look at some of the really fancy new studios in Sydney and Melbourne and even Newcastle got like a $16 million oh, really? upgrade. Yeah. I was like, that's oh, gonna, God. That's going to burn a bit if yeah, Newcastle's ahead of the game. They're right on the harbour and everything. I've got a mate up there who sends me photos. He does breakfast radio and I get real mad at him every morning. <laughs> Beautiful sunrises. <laughs> Although we do get to look out on the sheep. I know we're in a box here with no windows, but in the main studio, we do get to look out on a, on a bit of a paddock with some sheep. Yeah, that's so okay. That's, Close to nature. Yeah, that's it. You know, we're real here in Canberra. <laughs> we're down to earth. We don't need water views. <laughs> that's exactly right. How long have you been in, in the job now? Uh, I've been here for a month, uh, but I've been in the job uh, for two weeks. Ooh, you're still fresh meat. Still fresh. And how's that going for you? Well, they haven't broken me yet. Yeah. Um, it's been great, actually. Canberra's a very surprising place. Yeah. And I say this a lot, and I think Canberrans are getting sick of me saying it, but um, Canberra isn't what you think it is. I think a lot of people, including myself, had this misconception that Canberra is full of boring old white dudes. Um, and <laughs> it's really not. And it's not all public servants. And there are people here who have grown up their entire lives who just love it. Mm. And it's it's got this weird kind of, it's a bit city, but it's a, it's a lot country. And it's got everything that the big cities have got, but it's just a, a lot more relaxed, which I thoroughly enjoy coming from Sydney. Yeah. And have you only just realised that since- physically moving here or did you have a bit of an inkling before you I, took up the job I guess I came down a few times to check <laughs> before I said <laughs> yes to, to the job yourself. yeah uh, uh, mates and I did a road trip we come down we went to the footy and um, which I had no care for but I just wanted to get out and see things and uh, it was great you know the bars are great the food is great and the people are really nice so I, I it's a weird place so it's hard for me to explain to anybody who's never been to Canberra before, uh, before unless you've been here like in a year six excursion to Questacon um, but it's really wonderful. I know it sounds like I'm just doing a tourism Canberra ad, but it's a really great place. I thoroughly <laughs> love it. This podcast is sponsored by- I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't sell it so hard. Well, I've been here for, I've been coming here for years playing gigs and out at Belconnen and a couple of other places in the outer suburbs. And I always get confused when I come here because there's a million roundabouts and everything's flat. And everything more or less looks the same. And there's also like the lanes are split up by big- sort of oh, like, parks in yes. the middle, you know, like every, all the lights. So there's dual lanes, but they're split up on either side. Yeah. You get a lot of people going down the wrong side of the road a lot because <laughs> they get confused because they're like, that can't be the other side of the road. That's all the way on the next suburb. Um, yeah, it is very confusing. And it's, I've always seen it as a, I think maybe because for whatever reason, we always book shows in the middle of winter. I don't know where the, where the logic was in that, but it there's just no always logic, happened. Andy. No, there's none. And so I've always seen it as a really bleak and stale place. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> uh, in winter, it is just cold. I think a couple of weekends ago, it was minus 8.7, the coldest weekend since 1971. Really? Yeah. There you go. You got the facts as well being in radio. I do, mate. Well, I know all this shit. <laughs> but it was actually coming in today. They've got the new light rail that they're building. Yes. And they seem to be knocking down a few of those eyesores along the main strip. Yeah. A lot of the older buildings, yeah. you know, those 80s style uh, where we went with that speckled concrete look. Yeah. Where we yeah. just went, yeah, speckled Durable, concrete. long lasting. Yeah. Who's got to think this is attractive in 30 years? Um, yeah. A lot of those are going or at yeah. least getting facelifts. Yeah. So, and the light rail, it, it, like- which blows your mind was act when the city was planned, the mm. light rail was planned to go in then. 
Oh, right. Like the city was completely planned. So that's why all those sort of big wide roads that have been split up yep. uh, by these big parks, that was all planned for light rail to go in when there was enough people to support it. Interesting. So right. Canberra is a super planned city. There you go. Just you, you wouldn't see it or you wouldn't be convinced until it actually starts to happen. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. People are going, yeah, it's a plan all along. <laughs> we knew <laughs> what we were doing. We, yeah. We planned <laughs> this from the start. Right, mate. Sure. Uh, so, quick tangent or segue. So, with radio and being here and uh, for only a couple of weeks in the job, yeah. this is not your first first job in radio. No. You've been doing it for a few years. Just a couple. But you're still pretty young. Yeah, I'm 31. I don't know how young that is. How old are you, Andy? 33. Okay. So, yeah. we're, we're, we're pretty old now. Um, we get on. It, it's funny because I started radio, like I started community radio when I was 14 and then I started commercial radio sort of on the bridge of 16, 17. So, yeah, it's it's been a while. How did you, how did you even start community radio at 14? It was, how did, who did you convince? It was through the school, actually. I My English teacher... Uh, because all of my report cards said, really nice kid, just talks too much. Doesn't focus. <laughs> if he put as much effort into talking to his friends um, as he did his studies, he'd actually be quite good at something. Yeah. And uh, uh, they had this sort of program through the school that I was at to sort of let some of us go and help out at the community radio station, which was a youth radio station yep. called CHY in, uh, in Coffs Harbour. And I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And I went there and I just loved it. And I think from the moment, because I'd listened to radio my whole childhood mm. and I'd always enter competitions and I'd sit in bed at night and listen to it late at night. Yep. Um, and I always sort of knew that this is a wonderful thing. I just never thought of it as a career. Yeah, sure. And when I got to this community radio station, I thought, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a reality check. Can, yeah. You can see the future unfolding exactly. in front of you. <laughs> when we used to play things off reel to reel and CD and we had like one computer in the studio, but it just played the ads. It was it was super dodgy. And what what sort of programs were you running in the community station? Was it, was it a variety thing or was it just- I did the Friday night shift with yeah, two okay. of my friends called Lockie and Claire. And at that stage, I didn't have the radio name that is Wilco, which yep. is based off my last name, Wilcock. Yep. So, I just went under Neil because that's <laughs> such a great radio name. Uh, so, it was uh, Neil, Lockie and Claire. Uh, and we did a show called The Friday Wind-Up. Right. Okay. And it was Friday nights from seven until midnight. Okay. So it was a big shift. Yeah, big shift. And it for was a loose. Year old. It was loose. Yeah. And we all had these voices where we thought we had to talk like this. <laughs> and it was just terrible. It was really bad. But all of our grade listened and and you know, on the Friday night we'd do it and then on the Monday morning everyone would go, oh, I heard your show. Heard what you talked about. Some good cred. Yeah. yeah. I actually got suspended for two weeks for something that I said about the school on nice. the radio station. Perfect. I Perfect. got suspended. I, I said some stuff. Oh. Um, and I did a bit of a skit about one of the teachers. Yeah. Um, and I can't even remember what it was. And I got pulled in the principal's office and got suspended for two weeks. Oh, I'm, I'm envious of that because when I was in high school, especially in the last couple of years of high school, I was just completely rebellious. I almost got kicked out, bad exit scores. Really? Just, yeah, just hated being told what to do. It was the whole authority thing. <laughs> and a typical teenager just wanting to rebel against anything. Yeah. Um, but this was around the time where um, GeoCities and Tripod and all those web, web hosts, yeah. you could build your own website. So I learned how to code basic websites. I made a website that was basically a, a profile of our entire class or entire year level. And I would interview 
friends and I'd give them 20 questions, but they're really inappropriate questions. And then I used to go around with, because we didn't have digital, this is just before digital cameras started to become affordable. So I had a, a um, disposable camera and I used to take photos like uh, sort of voyeuristic paparazzi style photos of people <laughs> around the school, get them developed, scan them and put them onto the computer, onto the website. Yeah. And I would create these stories about teachers, about people we didn't like in school. And I got pu pulled in so many times. I got suspended a couple of times for this website. We had these campaigns where we used to get white, uh, white name cards and we'd write offensive words on them and then put them in front of people and take photos and then they would go on the website and then we had guest book uh, a guest book on there instead of like a forum yep forum was a bit too too technical yeah but we had a guest book so the entire grade was on this guest book and everyone would just fight amongst each other on there just Whoa. because we'd be attacking people and yeah. it was amazing so that, that was sounds awesome it was pretty cool and it was only about it was probably about 10 years later that i had friends of mine reach out to me through facebook and saying oh, hey, I just searched for my name and I can still see this website up. Um, any chance you could just put this, just take this website down because if my employer or uh, potential employer is yeah. looking for anything, they're going to see how I love uh, big dicks or yeah. Yeah, um, someone's grandma or whatever. So yeah. I thought, okay, it's time to, it's time to, <laughs> it's time to but I did save, all, rest. I did save the entire website. It's, it's sitting somewhere on a, on a on a CD or whatever, so um, oh, I'll, you've got it. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. It's a time capsule. Yeah, but that, um, but if or, I had an or blackmail material yeah, for later on, <laughs> that's right, <laughs> absolutely. But if I had if I had an opportunity to do some community radio or something like that, oh, it would it, have been brutal. Like it would have been, yeah, and yeah. bloody, uh, which a lot of it was. You know, you you say things because you have no filter when yep. you're at that age yep. and you you just say whatever comes to your mind and I do a lot of that now mm. on the breakfast show but at least I'm a grown up and I know where the line is and if I'm going to cartwheel over it I know that I've got some meetings to have at 9:30 <laughs> about you what know, I've done you know what the consequences are yeah, going to be yeah yeah so but at that age no I had no idea have you ever had over the years of doing radio and we'll get to a couple of the other locations cuz there's some Odd ones. Some winners. <laughs> yeah, some winners. <laughs> but has there ever been a time or, or particular instances where you've said something on radio and then somebody's called in after the fact you've stirred something up? Oh, all the time. Yeah. I think mainly my role in a show, and and to say my role, it's there's never really, like you don't sit, like early in radio, you'd sit down and a program director or a network consultant would go, okay, cool, so let's get the whiteboard out, guys, and we're going to write down and, you know, like with uh, one of my co-hosts, Mandy, who you know, yep. who I did a podcast with, um, when we first started, they were like, okay, cool, this column's Mandy, this column, column's Wilco, and we're going to write all the things down about each of you, and then we're going to find out what your roles are on the show, and and that's what radio used to be like, and thank God it stopped being like that, okay. because yep. it was too sort of manufactured and not yep. real and I think that's when radio started to die because people called bullshit on yeah, it yeah of course um, and now it's coming back because it's more real people real conversations real yep. voices um, what was the question again I got confused oh, <laughs> <laughs> no is there any, ever been instances where you said something and it's resulted in a backlash or, yeah, yeah all the time yeah. Um, I, I oh I can't remember anything specific oh yes I can that's a lie there's and I can send you this audio uh, I've got it <laughs> There was this one time I had this battle when I was working on the Central Coast. I had this battle with one of the suburbs and it was a a bit of a shonky suburb um, and it was called Camel and I used to rip on it all the time. And from memory, the it was our first break of the morning. It was really early and 
Mandy, my co-host, had said a number of things and she gave out the phone number and I said, well, basically we're calling them to, uh, you know, we're asking them to call for anything this morning. Um, and I said, if you've got teeth and a face, um, <laughs> give us a call. Then Mandy says, even if you don't have teeth, you can still give us a call. And I said, no, we don't want to hear from people from Camel. <laughs> oh, that was a big meeting yeah. um, after the show. But it's funny, from that came this weird kind of love-hate thing that I had with Camel for my two years um, at Star after that. That probably helps, doesn't it? Because it's a little bit of a, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. It's not it's not branding, but it's something about your persona that you've created through that through yeah, that show. Just saying who you are, you know, yeah. like taking the piss. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm lucky to get away with it because I, hopefully it comes across that it's never meant with any malice. Yeah. I don't ever mean harm. Yeah. I'm just here to have fun. Yeah. And hopefully, if you're listening to the show, you class me as a mate, and mm. and this is how you speak to your mates. Yeah. You take the piss. Yeah. Um, and I love when callers call me up and either call me out on my bullshit um, or just rip into me. Yeah. I'm a sicko. I've got some weird thing when my friend when my friends rip into me, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and that's what I really, really wanted to do with well, all of my shows. But it took a long time for me to figure out the difference between, you know, what kind of radio show I wanted to do versus what the network and program directors, what kind of show they wanted you to do. Do you think that the whole, I mean, podcasting is still not terribly popular in Australia at the moment, but do you mm. think of formats like that have resulted in radio having to change its approach? Absolutely. Yeah. Because radio figured out that people wanted to listen to genuine conversations. Yeah. And they've found the monetary value in podcasts as mm. well. Like mm. we have a podcast, which is just our best bits of our show. Yeah. Um, before I got back into radio, I had a podcast for a couple of years with Mandy. And you really, you, it's a real responsibility and a privilege to be in someone's ears, mm. you know, to to tell a story and know that it's just going directly into someone's head. That's right. There's no filter. No. Yeah. Um, so, why bullshit them? Mm. Why sit there and f make a fake story to get a laugh or just, oh, like, I know it's smoke and mirrors a lot of the time, you know, and there is still stuff in radio that we do where I'm like, oh, God, this is just, they're not going to buy this shit. <laughs> um, you know, there is less and less of that. I would say 95% of it is certainly real in our show. Um, but uh, radio is still theatre of yeah. the mind. Um, so, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, when we joke, we do a, a segment called... Um, a celebrity trash bag where supposedly my co-host Kristen has gone around and to a celebrity's house and gone through their rubbish. So we have a bag in the studio which she goes through, <laughs> which is just for a bit of sound effects, bit of live foley. Um, but I, I really feel like radio had to fix its bullshit meter and just yeah. go, all right, what's real? Um, let's let's find some genuine people who have a good connection yeah, and yeah. have some real conversations about what's going on. It's got to, you've got to find that balance between the two because it's still going to be entertaining yes. and it's still somewhat of a performance involved in it. As you said, it's sort of, there's some theatre behind it, yeah. but you've got to have that genuine, no bullshit yeah. aspect to it as well because people see, see right through it. Yeah, exactly. More so than ever before. In the past, people were so easily convinced, but now you've got the internet, even reality TV is not reality TV no. anymore. So people have- notice that that's BS. Yeah. And now they have to try and make decisions as to what they want to watch. And you've got this smorgasbord of options now. You're not just four channels on TV and two radio stations. That's you right. can just pick and choose whatever the hell you want. You can listen to radio from the United States, the UK, anywhere in the world. Mm. Um, even in Australia, you've got the radio app, which means if you don't like the radio stations that you've got 
in your town, you just listen to something else. Something else, that's right. Um, so, you've got to fight for your audience. You know, localism is big, especially here in Canberra, mm. but um, if you're not funny, engaging and real, then oh, fuck off. <laughs> Do you know if you get many sort of out-of-town listeners? Yeah, what? we get- We I've Look, I've only been here a couple of weeks, yeah. but I've had a lot of messages on Facebook. I had a message- even before I started from a listener, which creeped me out a little bit, um, <laughs> just from an article in uh, the Canberra Weekly that went out or the Canberra Times as yep. well. Um, yeah, look, we get lots of messages from people. Uh, you'd know too, people who'd listen to your podcast are from, you know, you'd look at your your downloads and you'd go, oh, Germany. Um, that's weird. I have a lot of weird ones. I've, got a, I've had a spike from in Japan. Oh, wow. <laughs> wonderful. Like a massive spike. And I don't know. Wow. We played over there quite a bit over the yeah. years. But I don't know what's happened. I did uh, I did fix up my CEO. Right. So, I don't know whether that's helping. But it's, for whatever reason, over the last couple of months, Japan's just gone boom. boom. You are booming in Japan. So, there you go. Konnichiwa. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, I get some Japanese fans now. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, we do get messages. Oh, I get a lot of messages from um, the UK. Yeah. Uh, UK like to listen to Australian radio. Yep, cool. Um, I think it's because it's very different. And yep. um, in the UK, they love radio. So, yeah. you've got people who are- legitimately obsessed with it. Mm. Um, I have a lot of other people in radio who listen to our show and send messages. We had a guy who sent an email to our general manager. I don't even know how he got the contact, but he forwarded it on to me saying, hey, I listened to Kristen and Wilco. Um, can you tell Wilco that I'm really happy that he's there? And can you send me some free lanyards? <laughs> um, okay. Sure, mate. There's, a, won't, there's you, a bit of an agenda there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was really nice, but he wanted those lanyards bad. So we sent them to him. Oh, good on him. You know. Good on him. It doesn't hurt to ask. No, well, sometimes course. sometimes yeah. it does hurt, but, yeah. you know. It does. If you're asking for anything more than a lanyard or a sticker, uh, then we can't help you. Radio's <laughs> not as rich as you think. <laughs> so, community radio in Coffs Harbour. Yep. And then what was the next step after that for radio? Was Adelaide? Uh, no. No, it was Alice Springs. Oh, so, okay. Alice was the first one. All right. How, how did you get from the coast of- uh, the eastern coast of Australia into the, the dead centre? Well, I was doing some casual work in Sydney because mum moved to Sydney, so I went with her. And um, I was there for only a short time doing like weird sort of reception jobs and anything that I could sort of con my yep. way into without any kind of formal accreditation. Ex yep. Um, and I didn't have any radio training, but I had a microphone. I had a little um, a little software, which is kind of like Adobe Audition now, but it was called Cool Edit. Yeah, I had that. Yep. I fucking loved Cool Edit. Yep. It was just my life. Yep. Um, and... You know, me and my multi-track, we made some truly terrible fake radio programs. Did you have the, the free version of Cool Edit as well? No, oh, I, had a, um, I had a hacked version um, okay. that was, this is illegal. Um, I, had a, <laughs> I, I, I had a version from the community radio station that I worked at. I made a copy, got the license, okay. and that was when it was easy to copy yeah, a program. That's right. yeah. You know, they didn't know that you were using their program because the internet wasn't connected or anything <laughs> like that. So, um, and I had this really shitty microphone, which was from something like, like a JB Hi-Fi or a Kmart. Probably like Tandy or something yeah, like that, yeah. could have been. I think it might have been Tandy or there Dick Smith. It was really terrible. <laughs> um, and I recorded demos. I got 32 rejection letters from radio stations before, and I've got them all, uh, before I got offered the job in Alice wow. Springs. And were you pitching all across the country? Everywhere. Really? Whenever there was a job, 
I would apply. There was a, a website at the time called Jock's Journal, yep. uh, which is a radio. It's not the biggest one anymore. They might get offended me saying that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's things like Radio Info and Radio Today. But at the time, Jock's Journal was all I knew. And okay. so, whenever a job came up, I, which was not much. There mm. was a lot of people trying to get into radio at that time. So, really, you had to go and do your time in the rural areas in regional stations before you could get a Cap City. I thought I was ready for Sydney. It's but- sort of it's sort of like when you train to be a police officer or um, a school teacher yeah. and you get stationed out in a place that's not terribly appealing to get your cred up yep. and then you get the better opportunities after that. So if you're willing to go through the hard knocks to begin with, then it, then the other opportunities in theory op- open up afterwards. Which is great because one, I got to do my really terrible radio in Alice Springs. Like just- Bottom of the barrel shit. It was just bad. I've got some of that audio which no one will ever, ever hear, ever. Um, You know, like I've got a mate of mine who did the show with me, JR, who was my first co-host. We didn't know each other until he sort of came a couple of months after I arrived in Alice Springs. We were like, we're going to be best mates. We're going to do a show together. Um, And I've instructed him that when I die, that he just, all those hard drives with all that audio's on, just smash them all. (laughs) Just get rid of it. (laughs) So, me and him to laugh at, not for anyone else to hear. But I- when you do that regional stuff, you get to make your mistakes. You get to figure out who you are as a person. Yeah. I was 16, seven, like I was 17 doing a breakfast radio show. Like I, I didn't know who I was. I had absolutely no idea. I was just getting on, turning the mics on, playing sound effects, trying to have a laugh. And the audience would have been a lot more forgiving as well. I'm assuming out, absolutely out there because they had some truly even like worse radio shows that had <laughs> been there prior. Like people told us that we were great. Yeah. So when we got the job at Triple M Adelaide, which is a big jump. Yeah. So Jar and I were doing a breakfast show in Alice Springs. And we couldn't wait to leave because <laughs> it was just like, what is this place? And uh, you know, the people in that station were so great to us, but generally the town is just too small. Yeah. And we were young and had stars in our eyes and we wanted to make it to the top. And when we got offered a job uh, by Craig Bruce, who ended up being um, the head of the network, uh, he offered us a job to do nights there. Right. I honestly thought, this is it. <laughs> this is it. I've made it. And how old were you there? I, I the was job? just about to turn 18. Not I know. bad. Not I bad. Know. I know. By the time we got to Adelaide, I was 18 and- it was just the best year of my life at that radio station. The best. So, turning 18 and relocating to Adelaide, so you would have had um, a bit of Hindley Street action over, oh, the, over that time. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. We Look, there was, <laughs> there was a place called Church the Nightclub, uh, yep. which was a big one. There was a place called, oh, God. Red Square. It's called Red Square okay. um, at the time, and that was pretty rough. Um, church was also very rough. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to think of some other places. Oh, God. What was that one that was a little bit out of town? Oh, God. There was also plenty of great bars. And I think there is still great bars in Adelaide, right? It's, it's actually it's actually really, really good. But yeah. the problem with Adelaide is that they haven't, well, it's probably good and bad. They don't have those strict lockout curfews yep. that a number of the other capital cities have. So we've always found, like, we play shows there. It's usually on Hindley Street or North Terrace, and we would stay at a hotel in that area. And then the next morning, 
we would either go and play another show in Adelaide or in that area, or we would sometimes go up to Broken Hill yep. and drive out that way. So we'd pick up a hire van the next morning at eight o'clock in the morning, and these pubs and clubs are still booming. There's chicks that are passed out on the side of the road. There's people like smashing bottles and going nuts. And it's like, hang on. But there's, there's, there's elderly people walking past with their groceries trying to dodge the drunks. <laughs> And there's just, some of these pubs were 24 hours. It's incredible. Yeah. And I don't know whether they've tightened it a bit now, but um, it was just mayhem. It was like a country town, like some of those country towns you yeah. go to where it's nice and quiet in the middle of the day. And then at night, it's just mayhem. The medium strips is filled with drunks. There's goon bags everywhere and just people are punching on and going nuts. And you just think, where am I? This is World War III. It's I incredible. Know. It's a wonder. It was like Adelaide is one of those places, just like Canberra, you have this misconception of it. You move there and you go, fuck, I love this place. It, it was just so wonderful. There was also in North Adelaide, there was this bakery. Remind me of what its name is. And it's it was like the place that we would stop at after going to the pub. And it was open all the time. Yeah, awesome. Was it the O'Connell Street Bakery? Mm, not sure. Oh, not sure. Yeah. I think it was called O'Connell Street. Oh, God, it was just wonderful. What a great place. It's um, it's It's picking up a lot more now. So, it's a lot more sort of metropolitan and it's like Brisbane's done that in the last 10 years yep. and it's, it, its standards have risen a bit mm-hmm. and Adelaide's sort of following suit now and it's becoming a bit of a hot spot for people, which you'd never think would be the case, but no. a lot of people are starting to buy up and move move to Adelaide. So it's it's not a bad place. I don't I don't mind it. It's cool. But um, I loved my time. I for spent a, for most- an 18-year-old, that's pretty good. That was great. Like we we had this uh, this townhouse that we lived in with a bank manager of all her name was Quigley, Anna Quigley. She was wonderful. Um, and our apartment, like our townhouse block was called Killicoats. Uh, we would have ridiculous parties there. Everyone would cr- crash on our lounge. It was a three-minute walk uh, or like a one-and-a-half-minute run in thongs um, <laughs> if you were running late for your weekend shift uh, to Triple M. Oh, and it was just the best. That's good. Such a great time. So just going back a bit, because you mentioned about doing the demos when you're in Sydney. Yep. So two things, when you're demoing for these types of jobs, what does a demo look like? Well, what's it sound like? What, what, are you, what are you actually recording? Depending what job you're going for, now I have a back catalogue of years of gear. Back catalogue, so, I love that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have this, you know, skits that you've done or parody songs that you've done or yep. all this stuff that you've created that you're proud of yep. um, that you can show program directors. It's not always appropriate for whatever job you're going for. At that time, I was, you know, talking off the back of songs, back announcing. Yep. Uh, going, you know, that's, uh, what was I talking Oh, that's Genie in a Bottle. Uh, coming up next, Hit Me Baby One More Time. Uh, playing all the hits. Uh, that made me sound more gay than I am. Uh, sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen Aguilera and Britney Spears. Um, yeah, so it was more of a that was, this is, and just trying to sound up. Yeah. Just trying yeah. to sound like you're on the radio. And I was doing it from my bedroom. And would you just do small 10 second, 30 second clips or were they sort of a few minutes in length? Or I would make like a two and a half minute demo. I heard or read somewhere that two and a half minutes was the thing. Is the sweet spot. Um, yep. So I thought that this is it. If I make sure it's two and a half minutes, bang on. Um, none of that was interesting. I had no callers because I couldn't, there was no way I could use callers or record them. Yep. I didn't have that capability at that time. <laughs> Unless I put a really great phone effect on that Cool Edit had. Oh, I should have done that. 
Um, <laughs> missed opportunity. What a rookie. Who knows where your career would have progressed. If I know. You had that, I could yeah. have gotten that Sydney job. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I heard that it was two and a half minutes. So I made just a small little compilation. Um, and on, at that time, I had to send out discs. Like I had yeah, a CD okay. burner. Yep. Um, a lot of people were still sending out tapes. I was ahead of the curb. I was sending out discs and uh, it cost me a fortune. And uh, off the back of that, a guy called Gavin Flanagan, who was my first uh, program director, um, called me up. He was from Newcastle. I was born in Newcastle. Uh, we had a chat about the Knights, who I followed at the time. Don't anymore. Um, and he was like, <laughs> do you want a job? And I went, yes. And I remember telling my mum and mum thinking I was just taking the piss. <laughs> mum just thought, you are not moving to Alice Springs. My first night in Alice Springs, I cried. So, did you go by yourself? All by myself. Oh, wow. no, that's a lie. I had my dog, Ted. My dog, Ted, no, came no, with me. Oh, there you go. So, um, <laughs> so we were thick as thieves. Far out. Um, he flew everywhere with me for a few years. And um, yeah, so I arrived, apart from the program director who picked me up from the station and did a town tour, which took all of 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we ended up at the uh, Alice Springs Shopping Center, um, having a cheeky little lunch. Um, that was it. And I was just so sad. Yeah. I was so sad when I got there. And I lived at the radio station. Wow. Wow. Far from home. So far. What a remote place. And being 17. Yeah. Phew, and I was instantly, I was instantly homesick. Yeah. It normally, you know, imagine. it should take a couple of, you know, weeks for it to kick in. Yeah. I was instantly homesick. See, mum must have been a bit of a champ just to let you go. Just <laughs> My mum is <laughs> one of the most forgiving humans. Um, she, My mum's wonderful. She- She's one of those parents that always said to me, if you want to do this, you do it, but yeah. make sure you fucking do it. Yeah. Don't half-ass it. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to do this, um, I trust in you. I, I believe that you can. Yeah. She had full faith, unlike other sort of people in my family who are like, you're insane. You're never going to get a job in radio. <laughs> uh, Mum was like, do it. Just do it. She was the same way with my, my brother and sister. Um, if you want to do this, you just do it. Don't half-ass it, though. Yeah, cool. Because if you fail, I'm not helping you. Yeah. It's all on you. Yeah. And I think with that behind you, you know that your mum's got faith in you, but you also know if you fuck it up, it's on you. Yeah. I think it's good. Which is great. Bit of healthy pressure. Yeah. I left on her birthday, though. She cried. Oh, that, um, that probably would, wouldn't yeah. really help. I was crying on the plane. <laughs> I was crying <laughs> on the plane because uh, I knew mum was crying and my sister was crying, but she was much younger then, so she didn't even know why she was upset. And uh, the dog was already drugged out under the plane, uh, so he was having a great time. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. And then when I was flying over, I was sitting next to a guy and I was like, oh, look, there's a shed. We must be getting close. And he went, no, that's the airport. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Wow. It became all too real then. That's a, that'd be a shock to the system. It was. And it was hot. And it was a dry heat. Yeah. Yeah. Which, being a coast boy, I, mm. I, didn't, I didn't know what that was. Yeah. And it was like it was in you. Mm. It just drained everything out of you. It was so different. But, and then it'd get down to like minus four overnight. So to go from super hot days to super cold nights. Just one extreme to the other. Yeah. It was it's a weird place. And then, then it'd just surprise you and you'd look outside and you'd go, shit, that is so beautiful. Hmm. What, where am I? You know, it's just a beautiful place that I will never, ever go back to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've made a pact. Oh, I've only got one, one memory of Alice Springs and I think I was, well, I was a child and I just remember a beer bottle being smashed and that's, <laughs> that's about, that's about as- uh, Tuesday night. That's, that's about, <laughs> that's that's about it, it, yeah. That's what happens all the time. It, oh. is, it is a rough place. Yeah. It is a very, Alice Springs is a place that you go because you're a murderer 
or you've, you know, or you're just hiding from life. You know, it's full of just random people. And you're like, where are you from? And they're like, oh, I'm from Cairns. And it's like, why are you here? And it's like, oh, don't ask me that. We, <laughs> you don't want to know. Yeah. Were you doing breakfast radio there as well? Or was it just a different- I, I was hired for days. Uh, within two months, my boss put me on breakfast. Yep. Okay. Were you doing a lot of um, a lot of local profiles? Were you talking to a lot of locals through radio at all? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. We look. We did. Uh, we did phoners, uh, yep. and radio was big there because really there was not a lot of other entertainment, and um, and our show was popular. We were called the Morning After. Oh God, <laughs> Friday Wind Up Morning After. It's a pattern of bad names here. Um, yeah, and Jar and I. Um, yeah, we were like mini celebrities. It's yep. like being a big fish in a very small pond. Yeah. You know, we'd get free drinks. Nice. Um, That's what you want. Yeah, all the time. Uh, I was underage. Um, <laughs> and we just, li- like, you lived really well. Mm. Um, the station paid me nothing, like 16 grand a year. So, the freebies just made up for the rest of the pay yeah. packet that I didn't get. Wow. It's incredible. So, all right. So, after Adelaide, so you are there for a year. Yep. Back over to the Eastern, Eastern yeah. Coast. Yeah. Well, we got- Triple M was going through a really weird phase. When we got there, Triple M was just there to cock block Nova that was going in. Yeah, right. Okay. So, our, Triple M was then sort of bastardized to be a rock dance format. Okay. And they employed all these young shows and announcers like us. And we thought, this is the dream. This is what the rest of the Triple Ms were going to do. Yeah. No, the network knew that they were just doing that as a 12-month thing to block Nova. Right. They used all the Nova imaging that, that yep. Sydney and Melbourne had done. Um, and Sydney and Melbourne had hurt the the company Osteria at the time. Yeah. Um, and they didn't, they, that wasn't going to happen in Adelaide. So, our job was to just cock block Nova. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> we were just having fun. Um, and we did it successfully. Nova launched and their first survey wasn't great. Um, and then after 12 months of, you know, us damaging Nova's ratings, they turned Triple M back to what it was, you know, known for being footy and rock, (laughs) um, and all about blokes. And, uh, yeah. And we got given options, which was sort of work weekends at SAFM, which was the sister station. Um, but we were still under contract, so they wouldn't let us go to Nova, um, even though Nova were interested. Um, we couldn't go anywhere else. There was no other jobs in the network. Um, so Jay and I split up and I ended up going to the Gold Coast. Wow. So when you started that job in Adelaide, you didn't know that you were going to be there for, for 12 months. No, we had a two year deal. Two year. Okay. We had a two year deal. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be just like my stepping stone to Sydney. Yep. And you know, that was next. (laughs) I had this naive, this naive outlook on everything, which was just like, yeah, I'm the best at this. Um, so why wouldn't I just go from Adelaide to Sydney? That's what everyone else has done. <laughs> and, you know, and we got to meet some great people in Adelaide, like, uh, Higo, Dave yep. Higgins, which you know, and, uh, Jamie Chowks, who was the music director and Kate Mack and Sam Mack, uh, who's now the yep. weatherman for Sunrise. <laughs> um, and, you know, Chris Page, who works on Triple M in Sydney. Um, so, you know, we got to meet some really great people at the start of their careers as well. Yeah. But, uh, our career wasn't, that was a big sort of step back for us. We got royally shafted. You probably would have learned to quite, quite a bit going through that experience though. Absolutely. There was a sales rep in Alice Springs called Adrian Renzi mm. and he was a loose unit, uh, but a <laughs> lovely guy and gave us great advice. And he gave Jar and I our best bit of, best bit of advice ever, which was, um, boys, everyone's a cunt. No exceptions. <laughs> uh, I really wish I sort of listened to that because going into Triple M, 
um, and Osterio, we were they were molding us to be what radio was at that time. Yeah, okay, yeah. And we didn't fit that mold mm, really. Mm. We were sort of taking the piss. We were super loose. Yeah. Um, and we were young, and I thought I was the king because I was a wanker. <laughs> so I didn't really listen to bosses or anything like that. So you're still doing your radio voice then as well. Yeah, I had a terrible voice. <laughs> I had this um, idea of what radio was meant to sound like, and I can't even do it now. It was that bad. Yeah. I just, and I remember the my program director, Dave Cameron, going, why are you doing that? And I went, that's that's just it. And I couldn't stop it because yeah. I would get on air and, and this voice would just come out. You've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I just thought. I thought that's what you had to do. As soon as the, I opened the mics, boom. Yeah. This awful, hey, thing would come out. It's just, <laughs> what are you doing, mate? You know, now when I listen back to it, I could not be more embarrassed. But these are the things you just don't know when you're that young. Well, you got to learn. you got to- Trial yeah. and error. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I shook that voice until I got to CFM on the Central Coast when I was right. about 19. I started to shake that. 19. Yeah. All those years of experience under your belt. <laughs> it felt like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> when, um, along this whole path, when did the voice work start kicking in? It was, it was, um, I look, I always loved TV voiceover guys. Yes. That was my second big sort of passion. Again, didn't know it was a job. Yeah. Okay. Why would it be a job? Why would you get paid to do that? It's just mm. someone at the television station who comes in. They've gone, you've got a good voice. No, it was a job. Like, yeah, it was a big job now that I know everything about it. But um, I started doing um, voiceovers at CFM on the Central Coast because everybody chip in, like all radio stations, everybody's a voiceover artist because the radio station doesn't, doesn't want to pay external ones. Yep. So um, my first sort of, I did a few voiceovers in- um, Alice Springs, but, you know, again, wasn't really good. And I did stuff at Triple M, but the producers didn't really use me because I wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> and then when I got to CFM, I um, there was a, a production manager there called Dave Horsepool, and he spent a lot of time with me just going, no, mate, don't do that. Um, and I got to cool, do the cool young reads because I was a cool young voice. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. there was a nightclub and it was called Woodport and I'd go, come to Woody's and I'd do this cool voice like Sam Johnson. <laughs> um <laughs> And, and yeah, and then that's really where that began. Wow. So, obviously, Channel 10 is probably the big one. Yeah. But- That and go. And that go. That and go, yeah. yeah. But you were doing stuff for- I, I was doing stalking on LinkedIn, oh, of right. course, as you do. But you did something for Disney as well? Disney Channel? Yeah, I did. I, I, I still do Disney, <laughs> randomly. <laughs> um, yeah, I- uh, yeah, you just get the call up every now and then and someone has heard your voice. And I've got an agent, which is a bit wanky. Um, but yeah, so they just call your agent and they go, oh, we heard this guy on this and we want to use him. Right. So what's the process if you get an offer mm -hmm. to do one? Do you have your own home studio that you'll do the recordings or yeah. do you go somewhere? I have a full home studio. Yep. Um, so now that I'm based in Canberra, that's where all of my stuff comes from. There's okay. no sort of driving to Sydney or Melbourne yep. to do things. Um I link up. Look, if if it's really important and they want to do ISDN, I'll do it here from the station. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, Source Connect is the best thing that's ever happened to right. the world. Okay. It's wonderful. Yep. If you've never heard of it, Google it. Um, I hope I get free Source Connect now after saying that. <laughs> um, it really is wonderful. But yeah, so I just record for all my clients. I got a booth shipped over from the United States, which is fully portable from a company called Whisper Room. And, um, you know, I just spent a lot of money setting up my studio and went, right, 
that's it. So do they give you scripting as to what they want? Yeah, they give direction. And then do you give them a number of variations of yeah. so they can pick from pick and choose what they want? Depends who it is. Yeah, After okay. a while, you get to know what the producer likes and what the feel of the station is. Yeah, sure. Um, or whatever you're working for. Like yeah. Disney, I know. I yeah. know it's up and it's fun. Yeah. Um, and if it's an action movie, it's got to be up, but put a bit of growl behind your voice. Yeah, okay. Um, so it just depends what it is. Like it takes a while to, like at Channel 10, it took me a couple of months to sort of fit into what, you know, Claudio, the creative director at the time wanted. And then after that, you sort of know where you're meant to sit. Were you doing, from a Channel 10 perspective, were you doing the majority of their main shows? As yeah. Far? Yeah. What's called top tier shows. Okay. So when I first started, there was another voice there called Paul Pidioni, who's now at nine. Okay. Um, and we were, I was originally just there to do a couple of days a week when I first started because I just left radio and I was doing Foxtel stuff for Triple One and a few other radio things, but not on a show. Um, I was just sort of freelance voicing. And um, weirdly enough, I was at Channel 7 filling in and then Channel 10 called and said, oh, do you want to fill in? And I was like, yeah, cool. I'm just about to finish up here at 7. And yeah, and then they said, do you want to stay after my little fill-in role, which was great. I did three days a week and I was doing just some little shitty shows at the start. And then I got put onto uh, the big shows, which are the ones that I used to yell at the viewers about, like MasterChef or Bachelor. <laughs> Um, what else? What else what else did we have at the time? Oh, Survivor was one of the last ones that I did. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah look, you do anything and ev everything that's you, that's asked of you, yeah. you know, from this program brought to you by Holden, you know, um <laughs> to, you know, um, you know, 10 Eyewitness News first at 5, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you do everything and anything, um but your main job is to flog the big shows. Yeah, right. Did did you get an opportunity? So when you were starting to do uh, the voice the voice work at uh, on the Central Coast, yep. and everybody in the team was taking turns. Yep. Was it around that time that you knew that there was opportunities for you to do some of that work? Well, I actually met one of the voices of Channel Nine at the time called Bob Peters. Okay, and he used to do casual shifts and some voiceover work on the Central Coast. And oh, he right. still does. Okay. He still does. Um, he's just a freaking legend, and. Um, he, no, he was at nine and then he was at 10. He was at 10 when I was like 20. And I just thought this is the coolest thing ever. I will never be able to meet another voiceover man. Yeah. Um, and I also met Paul Pidioni, um, at that same time too, who was the, another voice of 10, um, all from the central coast. I'm not saying that's where all the good voiceover artists are, but it's true. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I got to know that it was a job and they, you know, they lived pretty, pretty good lives off it by the looks of it. And uh, I didn't really know how much it was until I did my first, because I didn't have an agent when I first started. Yeah, okay. And I'd left radio. I was in uh, Victoria in uh, Gippsland doing a radio show with JR again. And uh, after a year of that, I was like, I'm done with radio. I'm pretty sort of desensitized and jaded with it all. Going to be a TV voiceover, man. Wow. Um. Then I made up a few demos, again, with my limited production skills and, and all that, and sent them out, and I got an audition at Channel 7. Yeah, cool. All right. And, and they were launching a show called Make Me a Supermodel, <laughs> which failed, <laughs> and I auditioned. And I remember being in there the first time, because what happens when you voice promos is you voice to the picture. So, okay, they right. build the promo, unlike radio, where you voice everything cold, yep. and they might go, oh, this is the music that we're going to put behind you just to give a feel, but you voice everything sort of without anything behind mm. you. With television, it's all there. 
Right. So they build the base promo. You kind of have basic graphics and all the cuts. And then they have the show, bits from the show, which we call SOTS, in between, which you've got to read around. Oh, um, right. Because your voice has got to sit in the in, promo. In it, yeah. You can't sit above it or get buried by it. It's got to be the same sort of vibe as the promo. So you've got to match it. And so, I had no idea that that's what happened. So it's almost like your accents and where your the dynamics of what you're saying has your got to pace, fit in with the visuals. Yeah, your cadence, yep. um, you know, your resonance, how dramatic it is, how light it is. Um, it all it all is meant to match it the promo. It can get quite complex, I, I would assume. Super complex. It's a big business. Like at Channel 10, there was never a week where the creative director wasn't going, oh, you've done this wrong. Really? They, yeah, they, wow. we change things again and again and again and again. And wording. Like I'd get called back or do stuff from home studio in the afternoon because they'd go, oh, we just don't like the word biggest here so let's change it to greatest because uh, right. that sounds better Just or we've we've had testing that biggest doesn't work anymore from an audience um you know perception so we're just gonna gonna change it to greatest they do that stuff all the time wow well did you get any training along the way or did you go and try and upskill yourself or you just just I just dove in and, yeah, like anything else that i've job. done in my life i just i listen to all the voices that are currently there i try and do i try and do what they can but in my voice yeah which is, if anyone is thinking of becoming a voiceover artist, use your voice. Don't try and be anyone else. Yeah. Um, but just see how you can get the same vibe that they're going for mm. in your tone. Yeah. Because otherwise yeah. you'll kill yourself. <laughs> really. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's incredible. I've, and, I mean, I think I'm one of those ignorant people, and it's probably like most of the general public where you sort of think, oh, yeah, like, you're just talking. It's just, just talking. you just just saying what it is and there's probably a bit of a script in front of you just read off it no there's a lot more to it it's a whole art like yeah the the best promo producers i ever met in my life work at channel 10 um they are you know and i'm i feel so bad for them because of where the company is right now Mm. but they are some of the smartest and gifted people i've ever met and hardworking because there's less staff in 10 than the other two big ones yeah um and they pump out these quality promos they just look amazing yeah and that all comes down to them. And they sit in the room with me when I'm voicing. They're like, no, 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 I want it more like this. Yeah. So they're sort of guiding you through yeah, yeah, yeah. with whatever yeah. whatever they've got in mind, their and expectations. Towards, towards the end, it was a group effort. You know, producers would go to me, what do you think this should sound like? Yep. Um, and we'd do a couple of versions. And we'd go, no, no, well, I agree. It should, should be a bit more dramatic or a bit lower and flatter here. Um, and it's just a bit of a back and forth thing. It's cool. Is, um, is working in radio so... and not to not to know figures, but what's more lucrative? Is it d- doing the voice work, depending on who you're doing it for? Yeah, like working for a. Um, okay, so I'll give you the TV rate. Okay. So the flat, and this is not what I got at Channel Ten. Um, once you contracted, it's a bit different. But right, okay. but a freelance rate for television promos is five hundred dollars an hour. Wow, not bad. It is a lot of money. It's I a remember a bit above mi- minimum wage. I remember at Channel Seven, and I contacted the promos coordinator, and I'd never put in an invoice before like right yeah to pay um and i said oh look i've done a week's worth of sessions like i just don't know what what, like how do i bill and Mm. what should i bill and she was like yeah cool so it's just 500 an hour so you've done um two hours every day um so you know just put all that down and send it to us kitchen and i terrible at math um (laughs) so at the time i was just like that's a lot of 500s that's a lot of money um and then i put the invoice in and they paid really quickly like within a couple of days and I just thought to myself, I'm the richest man alive. <laughs> but yeah, voiceovers, I think it's different now because it's a dying sort of art. Yeah, okay. And there's a lot of companies now called voice farms. 
that right, yep. do super cheap voiceovers. Right, okay. Really cheap. Yeah. Where the voiceover artist end up, ends up getting paid $30 or sometimes really? $10 for a 30-second read. Wow. Which is insane. Mm. I agree there needs to be some type of happy medium between $500 and $30 because <laughs> 500 is excessive. Um, but when you get a big voice, and I mean like the Matt Wills, the Nick Mackays, the Paul Pidionis, yeah. When you get a voice like that that's just iconic and the skill level behind it, like, they deserve that money. It gives, um, especially if, you know, a a channel or, or station or whatever is trying to push a product or a service or anything, they need that legitimate aspect to it. Yeah. And the voice can just add so much weight to the presentation of whatever it is. It's It's a way to convince the public, whoever's digesting that information, to go... Oh, I, this is validated. It's believability. Yeah. Like if, the, you know, towards my end, maybe I wasn't as keen about MasterChef promos, but <laughs> at the start, you know, there was no way that you would have ever thought that I never really watched MasterChef. Yeah. You know, like it sounded like I was in it. And yeah. my job was to convince you that this would be the biggest episode ever. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, so that was my job to to sell that to you. And if I didn't believe it, like, and make it sound like I believed it, then you wouldn't either. Wow. Okay. Um, speaking of MasterChef, mm-hmm. so I was doing some more stalking okay. on your YouTube channel. Oh, fuck. I know where this is going. <laughs> this is the Julie Goodwin thing, right? It is. Okay. It is. So, I'll, I'm going to put the video on the show notes for this for this episode right. so people can check it out. Yeah. Because it doesn't- I was quite surprised. I thought it would have a few more views than, than what it does. Well, the original one got taken down. Oh, right. The original one got taken down. What, for copyright or- No, it was, it was, I was, it was the radio station and when we left, they took the original one down and then I put, I put a copy of it up um, on my YouTube channel, but the original one wasn't on my YouTube channel. Okay. So, I think it like, last time I saw it, it had about like 20,000 views, which is not a lot, Um, but- yeah, I don't even know what that one's up to that's online now. Oh, uh, not many. Maybe half. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right, if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, at the time when we were doing radio, video wasn't that, viral video wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, um, like stations didn't put any effort into it. You know, I used all my own camera and mm. we hired lights and um, I got a mate of mine who was a DP to film it. Um, I got <laughs> Julie Goodwin to come and sing it, who was the winner of the first MasterChef, if you don't know. Um, and she was from the Central Coast. And I remember doing the show and saying to Julie, you know, I do a few songs. Um, I, know that, <laughs> I know that you fancy yourself a bit of a singer. We should do a song together. Thinking for a while, she'd tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> and she said on air, no, absolutely, let's do it. Again, I thought, you're just being polite. It's on the radio. Yeah. And then I got an email from her a couple of weeks later going, when are we doing this song? <laughs> and I went, holy shit, now I need to write something. And we sat down and I said, look, here's some eight, like I want to do a daggy sort of 80s thing with double denim and yep. bad hair and um, a lot of, you know, push it out, pull it in moves. And um, and she said, okay, cool. And I, I said, oh, I, I love this song from heart. All I want to do is make love to you. And I said, can we turn it into like Croc and Bush? And she was like, leave it with me. <laughs> and she wrote a bunch of lyrics. She wrote it. She wrote a bunch of lyrics. And then I changed some things and I come up with the, you know, chorus, all I want to do is make Croc and Bush. And because I just had that in my head. Yeah, cool. And then she she just like made it so amazing um, and sent it back to me. And I went, this is a winner, Jules. We're on. Um, we recorded it one day on very long day at her house and in a school, at a school <laughs> on a stage. We'd asked a st- school if we could borrow their stage. And um, we had little school kids watching us do it <laughs> in the playground. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was great. It was it's highly embarrassing, but it was one of those first things where like. You know, it was on the Today Show. <laughs> it was on. Uh, it was on. You know, the the morning show at the time, and it was on the Channel Seven one as well. And it was just a bit sort of crazy. It's it was that first sort of taste for me to go. Oh, videos are a bit of a thing. Well, the thumbnail when you're scrolling through your channel is right. just a picture of you is it? with those glasses on with the denim jacket. The Top Gun um, aviators. And yeah. I couldn't quite work out what it was, but I thought, okay, this looks like it's going to be pretty entertaining. Yeah. And I wasn't disappointed. No. It was really good. It's long though, isn't it? Yeah. You didn't watch, did you watch the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, did you? Yeah. It's long. It's a long song. Yeah. In hindsight, I should have just edited the song down. and Because the whole premise was it was about Manny's birthday and I was meant to get her like this crock and bush or make a one and then I fucked it up and Julie was there to help me as my sort of fairy godmother cook thing. And yeah. I edited that. I put that all together. It was the first sort of real big video editing thing that I'd ever it's done. It's pretty good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was proud of it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give it a resurgence. I'm Thanks, gonna, mate. Yeah, put it back out yeah, there. Yeah, double those views for me. That'd be something for your portfolio. I'm sure you just yeah. refer to that when you're pitching well, for- Well, the motherfuckers here, when they did a press release here at Mix for my job, they sent the link out to that video. Oh, right. <laughs> For all the media to watch before I went and did interviews with all so, the papers. And it's like- This is the guy. Yeah, this is the guy. Canberra, he thinks he's funny. Have a look. <laughs> Don't send that out. Divide the community immediately. I know. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> what is this guy doing? Your past coming back to haunt you. It always does. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, so, at that time, you're at C CFM? Yep. Yep. And you were there for a while with Mandy? Uh, no, I was oh. at CFM first just as a solo jock and I was music director there. Uh, then JR and I, like I was there for two years, yep. JR and I sort of hooked back up together and we went to Gippsland, uh, did a year of breakfast, uh, got out of that, um, Did started doing some voicing stuff, was at Channel 7 for um, about a year, mm. just under. And then I auditioned for Channel 9 for a channel that they were launching called Go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was a launch voice for Go. That was, again, one of the most exciting times. I was the main channel voice yep. of this digital channel. Mm. Um, and it was going to be like the first really cool digital channel. Yeah. And everyone loved it. It was, you know, that was like the height of my success at that. Like, really, <laughs> I was just like, this is it. I've Again, one of those I've made it moments. Uh, I was there for two years. And then I got offered- um, I got offered, actually, while I was still at Go, um, about a year and a half in, I got offered uh, to do a fill-in job with a lady called Mandy at Star 104.5 on the Central Coast. So yeah, the I have stuck, the, yeah. The competitor to see. And um, I was like, yeah, cool, I'll do a fill-in while they are waiting for this other team that they'd signed to get out of their non-compete. Mm. Um, and then Mandy and I became a bit of a thing and they kept us, which was crazy. And then- was it only after that ended that you both started doing the podcast? Well, it. I left. Um, I left for. I left for a couple of reasons. I had a tumor behind my left eye, uh, which I found a couple like. My eye got really puffy, and we didn't know what it was. And I went to doctors and blah blah blah, and they found out there was this sort of tumor um, behind my eye, which was ridiculous. Just to you know mix things up and make <laughs> just a bit of fun. <laughs> a bit of fun, and it looked like I'd been punched in the face. My eye was sort of being pushed out by it, and um, so after two years, I had to go and sort that out, yeah. and I couldn't do both. I couldn't mm. do breakfast and not properly. Yeah, and they yeah. sort of said to me, "Look, just take six months off and come back." And I went, "Oh, nah, I'm just going to go." And yeah. I knew I could do voicing, yep. and it not be as stressful, and I could just do it freelance mm. and get this shit sorted out. Yeah. So that's when I went back into voicing and um 
ended up doing some filling stuff everywhere and then ended up at Channel 10 for four and a half years. Wow. Far out. Yeah, long time. So, hang on. I'm just still trying to get my head around this tumour thing. Yeah. So- <laughs> it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. It's a lot smaller now. Yeah. I went through some treatment and um, the doctors, they claim it as a bit of a win. It's still there. So, what happened is, this is so boring for everybody, but um, so just <laughs> above my optic nerve, there's a big blood vessel okay. and my blood vessel fractured mm. and around it grew a tr- tumour. So, it's really a part of- the eye functionality. Right, okay. So, they can't take it out because of where it is. And because it's grown so slowly, my eye's gotten used to it. And if you move the muscles even slightly in the eye, you get double vision because the eyes don't move exactly the same. Okay. Um, So, they said there was a 2% chance it was really bad and there was a 98% chance that it was completely fine non-cancerous. Well, that's, that's good odds. Yeah. So, can't really biopsy it because of where it is. Wow. And it was just sort of, we're going to put you on some treatment and just try and get it down and a bit smaller. And I had to manage my blood pressure. And I was under a lot of stress at the time, which mm, probably, didn't, probably help. didn't help. Yeah. Um, so, once I removed all that and realized that I don't need to stress as much in life, um, it's been fine. Wow. Did they, was there ever a point where there was any risk to your eyesight at all? Yeah, absolutely. If they'd, if they, because they really wanted to see if it was bad, because I've got a, big family history of cancer. Okay. Huh. Um, yeah, so, so that, won't help, that won't help with the stress levels. No, both pops died of cancer, you know, uh, pops brothers died of cancer, like, you know, mum's had things flare up in her body and removed, like wow. really just riddled with the shit. So they they really wanted to biopsy it, um, but they knew that if they did that and they, if it burst, I could bleed out um, because it's a because it's a vascular tumor, so okay. it's so it's it's a part of the blood vessel itself, right? Because um, it's, it's essentially the reason that the tumor grew was it was attempting to repair, like the blo- you know it was attempting to repair yeah, itself, okay. um, and then it just got bigger and bigger and started pushing the eye forward. So they said, look, if we biopsy it, there's a good chance that you could bleed out on the table, or um, there's an eighty percent chance of double vision. Um, if we do sort of successfully remove it, there's a good chance that um, you'll go blind in one eye, but the eyes are connected through the brain. So, if one goes down, sometimes both of them go down. So, yeah, we just went, okay, is there anything else we can do? <laughs> um, yeah, it was a super stressful time. Oh, it, was, it was really stressful and trying to do breakfast at the same time. But Mandy was great, like, because we were really good friends um, by that stage. You know, she was super great. You know, there'd be times where I'd be just breaking down in the studio about it just going, what the fuck is my life? Yeah. And then we'd turn on the mics and have a laugh. Yeah. And which was great. You know, the funnest time was between 5.30 and 9 with that crazy bitch. And you know her. <laughs> She's fucking mental. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was the same when we were going through, you know, I say we because I was there, but she was going through her divorce. Yeah. Um, and her separation. And, um, you know, we'd do the same thing. She'd have a cry. We'd turn on the mics and we'd wet ourselves laughing. You know, forget about life for three and a half minutes. And what a what a unique job where you can have that therapy, yeah, by having that conversation backwards and forwards and having that banter. Where most most jobs you're not you're not talking to people as part of that job description. You might have a chat to someone while you're doing another task, but yeah. you have to 
you have to force yourself to have the banter and have the dialogue back and forth. And and you have to bring things from your life. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't openly talk about the tumour because we didn't want, you know, advertisers to think that the station was unstable or yeah, anything like that. You. And also, we didn't know what it was at the time. So, there was no point talking about it. And I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want people to go, let's have like a... Uh, like a charity fundraising thing for you and uh, and all that stuff, which yeah. happened towards the end, which I was like, no, I'm fine. Um, which was lovely of people, but you don't ever want to make the show a- solely about you. Yeah. The show's about entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you bring pieces of yourself, but it's got to be outward. Mm. It can't be just talk about me, 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 me. Yeah. Um, my favourite stuff is when listeners call in and tell me great stories. That's yeah. That's it. And I think it is a remarkable thing because you're in a padded room with someone- for a long period of time. Hmm. So, sure, it's 5.30 to 9, but then you spend so many hours with that person. You might spend until 2 o'clock that day, meetings, um, planning the next show, coming up with big giveaways or, hey, we want to dangle someone upside down from a helicopter. <laughs> Can we do that? Is that legal? Like, you spend your whole day and then you're getting back to listeners and then you're, um, you're making skits or writing parodies and you're recording stuff for clients. Then you're going to meet clients and then you might go home and have a nap and you'll get up and you'll host a charity event that night um, with that person. Yeah. So, wow. so you, it's a lot of time. Yeah. You've got to get, like, you know them better sometimes than their partners do. Yeah. Um, and you're there, you know, in like all, in my, I've been lucky. I've never been in a show where I've hated my co-host. I know that happens regularly. Um, <laughs> I've certainly been lucky. Like, JR, my first co-host, is my best friend. Yep. Um, I'm godfather to his son, you know, one of his boys, and, you know, his family is my family. Yeah. Um, Mandy's the same. Like, Mandy is a part of my family. She's like the sister. I've already got a sister, but she's the other sister I didn't want. And (laughs) she's the older one. (laughs) Just throw that in there. Um, And, you know, and now with Kristen, you know, I've been so lucky to get along with all of them really well, which is so important because if I hated them, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I can't think, I can't think of another job where that's, it's that intense where you have to be with somebody for, for that period of time. And vulnerable. Yeah. Because you're sitting there talking about your life Every single day. And generally, it's the stuff about your life that's it's embarrassing because mm. that's the stuff that makes it interesting. Yep. So, you're, you're just opening your heart and your soul every day on the radio and going, hey, people, like it or don't, troll me online later. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a big thing and it's, it's exhausting, but it's also the most rewarding thing I think I've ever done. It's, hence why I've gone back to it. It's probably- Going back to what we were saying earlier about that whole balance of genuine media versus what it used to be in the past, where it was a lot of bullshit yep. and cutting through it. And half the reason why particular programs are so successful is that when you're listening, you're connecting with that person. You can relate to what they're saying and that person's being somewhat vulnerable on the air yep. and projecting what they are, their persona. Yep. And so people are able to listen and go, oh, Absolutely. Like, I understand what that person's saying. It's not just this person with a radio voice who seems so disconnected from the general public. Now it's a case of, oh, it's just like me. Yeah. The same sort of things. It's just what, because when radio, when I was younger, radio was like witty one-liners, sound effects and punchlines, you know, like. Very much like American radio. Yeah. 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 Um, All I I can think of is family guy, dingo and the baby. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But uh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of what it was. It was wacky and zany and, you know, and 
I'm on an I'm on an adult station now, which makes me seem super old. <laughs> but the the best thing about an adult station, and particularly in Canberra, is that we get to talk about real shit. Yeah, real shit. Yeah. I try and make it as light as possible, but it's always going to be real shit. Mm. Um, and that goes, you know, we talk about, you know, I, I broke up with my partner four months ago. We mm. chatted about that since I got here, which is great. Uh, <laughs> we talk about dating on Tinder. We, you know, these all the things that your audience goes through, you know, yeah. that it's not all happy families. Yeah. It's not, not everyone is in, you know, a husband and wife and a couple of kids, you know, 2.5 kids. It's and, yeah. Yeah. It's just not at all. You know, mm. you've got single parent families. You've got people who have decided not have kids. You've got gay couples. Yeah. Um, um, and you've got loners like myself, um, <laughs> and I'm not that sad, I promise. Um, yeah, so look, your audience is varied and vast, but everyone can connect to a part of your personality, hopefully, yeah, yep. you know, because they've all been at that stage at some time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so keeping on the time, or am I? Oh, oh yeah, hour. But, you've got an yeah, hour. That's pretty good. Okay, that's pretty good. good. All right, so before we wrap it up, <laughs> um, how long are you here for? How long am I here in Canberra? Yeah. Well, I signed a two-year deal. Yep. Um, I don't know. It could just, be it. Just, just see what happens. It could be it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I certainly didn't have a plan when I came here. The plan was to get back on air and have fun. Yep. And then just see what happens. Just see what happens after You know, that. who knows? After my, I think it's like a six-month probation, they might tell me to fuck off. <laughs> um, I don't think so, but that's that could happen. You never know with radio and you've got to be prepared for that. So, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoy Canberra. Yep. Um, you know, everyone talks about the cold, um, but it doesn't really bother me. It's hard to feel in this studio right now. It's super fucking hot. It is warm. Um, but it is cold outside today and I really love the place. Yeah. So, I don't know. This could be it. I'm not sure. I could be here for 10 years. Wow. I don't know. I'm an old man now. We've discussed yeah. this. <laughs> See, what happens is when you're young, you move around a lot and I just don't feel like doing that anymore. Well, you've done a fair bit, probably more than most people in- a line of work anyway. Yeah. So, and which, which was great. And yeah. I loved going for a new challenge. And I think I realized at Channel 10, being there for four and a half years, that I did want to be stum- somewhere stable. Mm. And for a long period of time, Channel 10 wasn't stable um, <laughs> uh, ever in that four and a half years. <laughs> and I realized that I was sick of just doing the two year stints at jobs yeah, and sort yeah. of moving around. Um, so, which was always my choice. Apart from the triple one, triple M one, I always, you know, cut it off and went on board with this move mm. on short mm. attention span. Um, but this is a place where I think I could be super happy. Yeah. And it's a really great company. Cool. So I can't really diss them because everything I've asked for, you know, I said, oh, can you just build me a new studio? And they went, yeah, that's fine. We'll sort that out for you. It's all right. Um, Lap it up while you can. Yeah. Give me all this money. They're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, no, they didn't say yeah to that. They said, no, mate, this is what you'll get paid. Uh, prove yourself. So, and that's all I got to do. Yeah. I've just got to sit here and prove to Canberra that, I'm here to have a good time and I'm not floating through looking for something else. Yeah. I'm just looking to have fun. Yeah. And, um, as, and as you said earlier, it's about trying to meet the expectations of the area as well. The demographic is probably very unique compared to other cities. It super is. It's like 46% government employees. Yeah. Um, so, and not dumb, you know, well, well careful what I say here. Um, <laughs> but I think, look, there are certain areas of where I've done radio where you you tailor what you do to that market. Yes. Yeah. Um, not to talk down to people at all, but there are some people who prefer, you know, they prefer the punchlines. They prefer the stupid radio. Mm. Um, I'm lucky to be in a very open-minded city mm. with lots of different people, 
um, lots of different families in lots of different jobs, and they're very smart. Mm. So, I get to do stuff that may go over some other market's heads. Was that diplomatic enough? I think, yeah, I okay, think that's good. quite good. I called them dumb at the start. Uh, so you recovered well. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. I think we might wrap it up here. That's it? You're done with me? Yeah, I think okay. we're done for now. Throw yeah, me aside. It's getting, it's getting warm as well. It so. is so hot in here. God. <laughs> Jeez. Fix the aircon, guys. Thanks, Andy. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andy. Thank you very much, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that chinwag with Wilco. You can check out everything we spoke about over at the show notes, at the show notes, on the show notes, in the show notes, in. In is better, isn't it? In the show notes, over at andysocial.net. I'll have everything in there that we discussed, all links, resources, contact info for Wilco if you want to say hi. And that's the same for every single episode I've done of this podcast. I'm a bit consistent. I know. I'm getting good at this. So if you want to check out anything that we've spoken about on the Andy Social podcast, you can go over to andysocial.net and you can find all the episodes and all of those resources and contact information and anything and everything we've spoken about. Hopefully it's all there anyway. So, That's it for another week. I'm going to wrap it up right now. Thank you so much for listening. Podcast is going great. I really appreciate everyone jumping on board and listening to it and all those people that are going back and listening to the podcast in the past. And also a big konnichiwa, ahoyo gozaimasu, konbanwa, and domo arigato gozaimasu. To all of my new Japanese listeners, thank you very much. I don't know where the hell you've all come from, but I am very, very thankful. Domo arigato gozaimasu. Okay, guys, until next week, take care. Bye-bye. You're ready, you're ready, so sure.